Welcome back to The Therapist's Invitation. We are so glad that you're here. I'm Trevor, and I'm joined, as always, by Hi, Mark. And uh, <laughs> if you have not already purchased Dr. Mayfield's book, I highly recommend it, called The Path Out of Loneliness. He may not say as much, but it is uh, an exceptional piece of work and out of an incredible amount of timing for where we are just as a society and a culture and a world with all that's been happening in the past couple of years. And so um, definitely food for thought, even if you're thinking that you aren't lonely and you don't have any problems with that. Um, that's okay. How can yeah. you help somebody else? Good book. I enjoyed writing it. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I'm glad it's out. And uh, I think, you know, with the book idea, you put a lot of work into the book and you did a lot of market research mm -hmm. to see what was out there and realized maybe not much. <laughs> and what was out there, you studied and, and kind of took into consideration what is the quality? What is mm -hmm. the intent? What is the audience that we're focused on? And I think that our conversation today could lean towards disregarding all of that work. And I want to be really clear that that's not the point. No. Mm -mm. Because all of those things for your book specifically were so important and so vital to the creation of this thing that you put effort into. And so we would be remiss to not look around us a little bit right. and to understand where we are. But I think that has a season because I wonder for you, as you were writing the book, let's say you got to like chapter five or maybe even part two. Wait, there's five chapters? <laughs> or part two <laughs> where you were uh, looking at more of the historical context of, of loneliness. Were you doing that same level of market research? Like who's written about loneliness? Who's contemporary to this conversation? And what did that look like? Yeah, I mean, I did it all the way through all, all three parts, I think. Um, it was an interesting experience. I think it was really affirming for me. And this might take us off track of where you, I know you want to go with it's this It's all good. I love it. But I think... Um, it was really affirming for me because there was nothing really out there from a mind, body, spirit perspective. Yeah. Uh, and so I really feel like my book is the um, kind of the, the initial uh, work on the integration of mind, body, spirit when it comes to this conversation around loneliness. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, but I think when I was looking, it was always kind of a, a tentative look because I'm curious of like, you know, who's got a better definition of loneliness yeah. who's got a better uh you know did a better survey or yeah. you know so i think you know i know where you want to go with this conversation of just the, you know the comparison model uh of things i think is uh it can be i think I'm, I'm stuck in that right now so as we as we okay. sit here and talk about this i know we talked about this over lunch today yeah is um writing something that is really from the 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 depths of my heart and my yeah. soul and my cognition. Yeah. Putting that out there to everyone. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's at Amazon, it's in Barnes and Noble, it's in Walmart, it's in uh, Christian booksellers. It's at, you know, it's everywhere. Yeah. Will it do well? Mm -hmm. And what does that mean? And about what does you? that mean about me? Totally. I think is, is the, is the vulnerable producing question. Yeah. And I think that's a question that all of us ask at different stages of our, our life. I, mean, I can remember being a youth pastor and and like driving by a different church on the night that they had youth group to see how many cars were in the parking lot and comparing that to how many cars yeah. I had in the parking lot. You know, I was in my 20s. I'm looking now, I'll be 40 here shortly. 
And I'm like, why? Yeah. Why? Well, and I, I think- missed out on so much because I was so worried about how I compared yeah. to others. Well, and, and you, you keep saying that it, it doesn't lead to where I want it to lead. This idea that throughout your book writing process, you were you were doing those comparisons. But I think it's actually more meaningful because we might be talking about two different things here where you going to the other parking lots. How does that inform the work that you're doing? That's pretty creepy, by the way, to think about a little bit. (laughs) Just going to put that out there 20 years later. A little creepy, you know, but like, you know, uh, at best. You know, let's say you have 20 cars in your parking lot. They have 80 cars in theirs. That's probably where the information ends. Oh, sure. And it doesn't tell me much. No, you don't have anything to work on. Whereas in the process of writing your book, you're able to see this book that did very well. And what did they write? What publisher did they like? You're able to get more information. And I think that that's the important part is the information that allows us to do better. But then when we start doing the comparison, it doesn't, I think, drive us to improve. Because I think there's a big difference too in, um, I've talked about this before, condemnation and conviction. Mm -hmm. And I think that oftentimes comparison is just going to lead to condemnation, but not ever really conviction. No, was I being a better youth pastor because I was going to the parking lot to see how many cars were in there? No, no, probably the opposite. Sure. I would Mm -hmm. argue there's an element of that, that I think we have to be able to acknowledge in ourselves of when is this actually helpful? And maybe what does that even look like? And when is this so not helpful for me? Well, for example, Somebody that I admire greatly. Yeah. You'll know who this is once you read my book. So pick up the book, you'll know who it is. <laughs> Somebody I admire greatly wrote my forward. Yeah. Like the dude is smart. Yep. Like smarter than me. And accomplished. And accomplished. And I'm super honored that he wrote my forward. He's got a book coming out a month later than mine. Yeah. Not on the same topic, but on similar veins. Yeah. I had a glim- glimpse of selfishness going, I hope my book does better going, Mm. wait, what? Who? No, it's not about that. Yeah. And I had to come back to, that was the conviction condemnation conversation. I came back to, why did I write this book in the first place? I Mm -hmm. wrote this book because I was being obedient to the message that was instilled in me by God. Yep. And I had to be faithful to that because it was eating me alive. Yeah. That's why I wrote the book. Not so that you could do better. Not that I could do better than so-and-so. Yeah. And we talked about that at lunch today where there's a part of us that hopes the book does too well. So life can just kind of go on as normal. <laughs> right. Uh, but that, but, but it goes back to the message that I have about creating common language around yeah. our mental health experience, creating common language around our relational experience. Yeah. That's why I wrote this book on loneliness. And I really do hope it gets in the hands of millions of people. Yeah. Not so that it will do well. Right. But because the message needs to be heard by, by people. Yeah. But, it's an interesting and maybe that place to be. Maybe maybe you touched on like that difference of maybe the difference is just how we are responding to what we're doing. So, mm. you know, in that drive, we're, we're picking on you a lot today, apparently, <laughs> in that drive to the other youth groups, it was condemnation. 
Mm-hmm. You're not doing as well. They're doing better than you. You're a terrible blah, blah, all those thoughts, right? I'm not as popular. You're not as popular. People don't like you as much as that youth past. Like all of those questions would arise. Whereas maybe with the book, there was a touch of that, but then it became conviction of, no, let me remind myself of the why that I'm doing this mm-hmm. and let that drive us. Because I think the condemnation shuts us down and the conviction drives right. us. Well, sure. And then if you open up the leaflet in my book and you rec- I re- I I had to sit I actually was sitting in my office when I got the books in in person yeah. a couple of days ago and just started crying because I looked at the people that gave endorsements for yeah. this book. I'm an unknown. Nobody knows me. Right. It's my first real book. Right. You know. Quotations, quotations real. Yeah. real book. Um and yet they saw the value in the message. Yeah. And they wanted to get behind that. Yeah. That to me creates more conviction about the message and yeah. about why we're doing what we're doing. And I could really care less beyond that. And and I'm honestly saying that. Yep, right. But but if you know, if anybody knows me that's listening, that's not always been the way I've I've been. And I know you yeah. haven't either. No, right? totally. I mean, we had this conversation about counseling centers in Colorado yep. Springs a couple months ago. Yep. You know, and and I've had these conversations about videography and production, and it's so easy mm-hmm. to look at individuals, especially on YouTube. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to point towards somebody I've talked about before. I think Peter McKinnon has an amazing heart, and he's a forerunner on YouTube for videographers. And I, it's so easy for me, and probably unhealth is really the difference for me, to watch his videos and compare and say, he's so much better than I am. I've been doing this for X amount of time. I should be better. All of this stuff. And that's just the comparison. That's the condemnation. That's the, you're not good enough. But then other times, and one of the reasons I really love what Peter McKinnon does is I go to those videos in health and they inform the work that I'm doing. They show me the things right. I can grow in. Let me pick on you for a minute. Yeah, go for it. Remember a couple of years ago? I do. When I hired a videographer for our I uh, do. Uh, <laughs> for our uh, uh, fundraising event. I do. Because um, I couldn't make it scheduling. Not, you couldn't make not, it scheduling. Right. I, you know, yeah. we got with you, I think, first. But I remember just the conversations we had. And I know you would, it was a sensitive moment and you were working through things. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I wonder what you were feeling in those moments yeah. of, uh, wait a second. Totally. Yeah, it you know, was so not much. good enough or what, you know. Or, totally. There was so much of that condemnation and so much of my own pride, which I think has a huge element here. Oh, gosh, mine gets in the way all the time. <laughs> because it was, it was all about what was wrong with me mm-hmm. and what I perceived to be better about this other person. And looking back on it, there are things that I learned from that engagement that I still use today. Mm. And there are so many other things that I could have learned, um, regardless of that person's skill above mine. Mm-hmm. There's so much that I could have learned in that moment that I missed out on because of the condemnation and the comparison. Mm-hmm. And probably just because my pride got in the way and it started getting hurt and it was unwilling to work out of conviction because maybe, I, and I think at that point, especially, I didn't really know why. Well, right. It rises up in that. I think the pride rises up in that. I know what I know and nobody else needs to tell me otherwise. Right. And I've got this. Yeah. I'm good enough. Totally. And I think it's just, you know, I know, at least in myself, I'm not going to superimpose this on you, but I know in myself, it's just uh, my insecurities coming up in a way 
that is trying to protect them. Oh, 100%. Right? 100%. And so are my feelings that I really want this book to do well because it's a reflection on me, are they bad? No, they're yeah. not. Because I put my hands to something that I really believe in and it's yeah. really important, blood, sweat, and tears, literally. Yeah. That's not bad in and of itself. Right. But if I put it up next to somebody else or something else. Or even if you allow the success of the book to mean something about your value. Yes. That yes. is unhealthy. Right. But to look at the success of your book and and see that just by it being published is it says something about the work that you put into oh, it. Sarah reminded me, my wife reminded me the other day, that was one of my bucket lists. Yeah. To be a published author. Yep. And she goes, you checked it off. Right. You didn't have any goals about selling a million copies. You had yeah. no goals about this or that. You had a goal of becoming a published yeah. author. And I would argue it is just as healthy, unhealthy, for you to associate a failure to the book, right. to your identity and your value, exactly. as it would be if you became the f most well-known book, second to the Bible, and uh, use that to say something about right. your identity and value. No. Both are equally as unhealthy. Yes. The value, our value, and I think this is where comparison comes from, is that our value is not... Comparison comes out of a value that's not rooted in security yeah. and in answering the question, who am I? Whose am I? Yeah. Where do I belong? Where's my tribe? Who's my cult? You know, all those types of things I think are really important conversations to have. And so we're going to, we're going to go back and forth to comparison. Yeah. You know, going back to when we started Mayfield counseling centers, almost seven years, six, six and a half years ago, yeah. six years ago, you know, we were like, wow, we're going to be the biggest counseling center in, the, in, the, <laughs> right. in this, in, you know, in last two years, I'm like, no, that doesn't sound great. It doesn't sound fun <laughs> at all. Let's just do the best we can with what we've been given yeah. and be faithful. To what, but, I remember some of the times that we've lost, you and I, had, you know, you've been on this journey with me yeah. for almost five of those six years, yeah. or if not five now. I, it has been five of yeah. the past six. And I actually met you uh, two months before you opened doors. That's right. Mayfield. Yes, so. that's right. So you've been on the journey and, you know, how much sleep did we lose? Yeah. You know, how much weight did we gain? Oh how much, gosh. you know, yeah. how much un un unhealth was in there? You gained all the gray hair. I got none of it. Yep. I wish I could have. That's cool. <laughs> You'll get there. But yeah, it's been stressful. It's been hard. It's been brutal. But this last 10 months, 12 months, nine yeah. months, what are we almost nine months. Yeah. Almost nine months. Been such a breath of fresh air. We're like, you know what? Here's what we have been tasked with. And we're going to do it well. And we're going to do it well. And this new shiny counseling center that just opened a $1.1 million building. That's a lot to keep track of. Yeah. And good for them. Like and that's good, for, good for the city. That's good for I them. Have no desire. Right. To manage that or to keep track of any yeah. of that. And one of the the initiating conversations for this season of the therapist invitation was a comparison to another group in town. Um, and what I think we both had was initial reactions of unhealth and comparison and condemnation that then became healthy responses of conviction. Because I, I remember thinking, they don't have me. And so how can I do the best work I can where I am? Yep. Just knowing that this is where I am and this is what I can do. And that it's good. And that, 
you know, regardless of the comparison piece, there is maybe also an element of like, they don't have me. Well, and that's and that's a boon for us. Well, I love that because it adds value where value needs to be placed. Yeah. Uh, you know, we've had this conversation of, of staff coming and going and yeah. grass is greener on the other side and all yep. that kind of stuff. I think this plays into that is that we have to strive for a content heart mm-hmm. where we're at. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with going, ooh, what do what, what what I got going on over there? Yeah. That sounds interesting. Is there anything that we should be paying attention to? It's the difference of... But I'm content with where I'm at. Yeah. And I think that's where... I don't know how many discontented therapists that you've met in your life because yeah. of where they're at. They're always looking for the the next thing, the next thing, or they're discon- They're finding the wrong things. Oh yeah, you know, and I'm guilty of that. I think every single 100%, human being is, right? Yeah. But it's going no. Let's just like, what do we got? Yeah, we're, we're sitting in a studio right now. When I think, I think we're, yeah, I don't know. There know. might be a difference too of seeing the other youth group as you're driving on to work. And actively pursuing them. Sure. Like, like, it's not bad for you to look. No. It's not even bad for you to count the cars. No. I don't even, I like think. Driving out of my way to do it? That's, one that's where, it's a little creepy. that's where we've reached a point of, <laughs> yeah. of unhealth and condemnation. And, and we're starting to add things to it that really don't belong there. Right. And, and I think one of the things that's really valuable over the past six years is that you and I have built a relationship where we can call out some oh, of that sure. and we can share those things really comfortably. Um, and I would say, you know, we we have this ability in our own relationship to be able to have vulnerable and intimate conversations pretty casually mm-hmm. uh, and and to push in when we have to and to allow it to be comfortable mm-hmm. and all of those things. And without that, I think I, I know for a fact that I would have struggled more in so many areas of my own development professionally and per- and personally because I need to have, and I think every person needs to have, multiple people in their lives mm-hmm. that are able to speak into those moments of comparison. And not just to say, you're comparing yourself, stop it. But right. to say, no, 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 that's not where your value lies. Mm-hmm. Let's change the entirety of the conversation because that's not the conversation. Right. Yeah. No, I think that's great. I think just for our listeners then to really take stock of like, where is this comparison condemnation piece, you know, like creeping into your life? Yeah. I've got to take a step back quite often and and reflect on that. And it doesn't go away. No. And and I think how much of life are you missing out on? Mm of just being present in those moments with family, with friends, with your career, with your job, with whatever that might be. Yeah. The car you're driving, yeah. the house you live in, the clothes you wear. I mean, yeah. we could go down to the nth degree that we can compare ourselves on everything. Yeah. Instead of going, no, I'm pretty content. I remember, I mean, I've talked about this on this podcast before. I'm very car blind. Um, yeah, you are. I just like, I can maybe tell the difference between a car and an SUV. And I can tell the difference between those and a truck. Apart from that, not much. Like it's hard. Um, it's it's a painful guys. Just to say that it's painful. <laughs> yeah, Mark Mark struggles with it. Um, <laughs> but like so so it's hard for me with cars. But there is I do still engage in some of the like if I'm I I used to drive. Do you remember the Pontiac Grand Am? How can I forget that? Yeah, Milo. That, it was, was my. It was that in your truck, and we were yep. just wondering which one was going to die. At the- <laughs> 
Totally. The first it, time. It was my wife's car that I inherited to commute with. And it it was like on its third engine and all sorts of stuff. And I can remember there was a phase where there were a lot of people in my lives upgrading their vehicles. And uh, whenever I would park somewhere, everybody's car was nicer. Even from my car blindness perspective. You saw that. I could see it. So yeah. it was probably really bad to everybody else. Mm-hmm. But I remember distinctly having some meaningful conversations with you and and engaging in it in like podcasts and stuff about this idea of being content and that there's literally nothing you need Mm -hmm. to be content. It is just a decision that you have to make in a a process in in yourself. There's you're not going to get one more thing and be content like that's just not how it works. Mm -hmm. And and I can remember feeling so content in Milo for a good long time. And unfortunately we got rid of him about a month later. Um, so it was really only a month where I was like, so content. Didn't you donate him to like us? We donated him back to the to school, school that Brie bought it from. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Um, but I felt so content and I felt so at peace and I would be able to park next to anyone. And there wasn't this moment of like shame or embarrassment or anything. Um, it was just this sense of like, this is my car and I'm really grateful that I have it. And I'm glad that it is consistent. And I'm glad that I know it's, uh, oddities and I know how to drive it well. Um, and I know what things to do if it's not. And and it was just this sense of gratitude and peace and contentedness Mm. that I would argue surpassed even what I have now with the nice car that we replaced him with. Mm -hmm. And, 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 there's so many times that I, I want to just be able to return to that mindset in whatever I'm doing where I'm okay. It's okay. I can grow and change and I can trade in that car, but not because I'm ashamed of it. Not because I don't find value, not because of anything other than that's growth. Right. Yeah. Progress. Move forward. Development. Development. Take stock of where you're at. Um, and lean in, press in, ask the hard questions. I think that's why we talk about this kind of stuff on yeah. this podcast. So give us feedback. Let us know what you think, what you want to hear. Um, I think we were just going, we have like 42,500 yeah. listens, yeah. which is super exceeded anything that we ever expected. Yep. Uh, so thank you for staying in there and hanging in there with yeah. us and uh, look forward to talking more. <laughs>